everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss, and I'm joined with uh, Jonathan Fadugba, as always. How are you doing, John? Well, if I'm being totally honest with you, Steve, um, I'm okay, but uh, I've been better. Obviously, we're recording this just after a night of Champions League football. And yes, Manchester United have just lost to PSG. And I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of still in shock about this tactical tactics I've just seen from Oleg and the Soldier in, in that second half. So apart from that, no, I'm doing well. Hello, everyone. Hope you're all up well as well. And thanks for joining us for this episode. Why was Fred not taken off? Do not, don't get me started, honestly. I'm still, I'm still, in, I'm still in shock, honestly. I'm still I, I've been there myself. I think we recorded um, an episode a couple of years ago after Leeds lost against Derby in the playoffs. And uh, I was fuming that night uh, after Frank Lampard got the better of us. So I know exactly how you feel. My friend, um, maybe uh, some talk of Scandinavian football can ease your, well, re- help relax you again a bit more. I don't know. But um, yeah, we're, um, we've got an interesting episode uh, coming up because we're really towards right at the end of the season, the Asvenskan now, we're, later on, we're going to be talking about certainly Kalmar and the relegation battle, a few other things. We had quite a few listener questions, which we're going to get on with. Uh, a couple of players in focus um, that will come. And uh, we're actually going to start the episode off there with uh, an interview with uh, Dundalk coach Shane Keegan, who, who joined me uh, ahead of the uh, Europa League match against Mulder on uh, Thursday. So um, that'll be uh, that'll be a fresh, fresh hot take um, heading into uh, when this podcast is released. Um, so uh, yeah, that's where we're going to start with this interview with Shane Keegan. So uh, I will uh, leave you with him now. I'm delighted to be welcomed on this uh, episode of the Nordic Football Podcast by Dundalk coach Shane Keegan. Thanks very much for coming on the show, Shane. How are you doing? No problem at all, Steve. Yeah, keep keeping good. Not 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 long after landing over here in in Molde, so just settling into the hotel here. That's good to hear. And uh, Shane is obviously on the coaching staff at Dundalk or in uh, Molde's uh, Europa League group. How are you finding the country at the moment? It's a uh, fantastic scenery up there. It is, it is, absolutely. It's the one thing that strikes you straight away on, on the bus journey across. And even in the room I'm in at the moment to look out the window is is, is an absolutely fantastic view. Just uh, uh, obviously how, how amazed by how, how early it gets dark here, I suppose, is the obvious statement, Steve. <laughs> yeah, I mean, up in the north, right in the north of Norway, you're talking about the sun hardly comes up in December. So, um, you know, you can see why it's a good place to see the Northern Lights, really. Um, but, um, yeah, anyway, on to footballing matters. And, and Dundalk, you know, you are bottom of this uh, Europa League group at the moment. But I think it's fair to say you've not exactly disgraced yourself, have you? Um, no, no. You know? And that's, yeah, very, very, very frustrated to be pointless at this stage, really, Steve, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, look, you, need, you, leave the, you almost have to leave the Arsenal game to one side for, for all of the other three teams. But, but Arsenal aside... Um, how we've certainly in the first round of games, how we've managed to come out of, of the Molden Rapid games without anything to show for for two really good performances is extremely frustrating. Um, look, last week we probably weren't quite as good um, against Rapid. We, we we came to life in the second half, but we'd given ourselves too much of a of a mountain to climb at that stage. But uh, at the same time, yeah, we, we we feel that we have shown that we're we're, we're good enough to compete against both sides. Yeah, I mean, obviously, just just talk us through the mindset of the of, of the, your, your team now, because you know you are bottom. The qualification that's not going to happen. Although I suppose you never really believed that was going to be a big reality, but you're still fighting for 
for, for prize money, for pride, for points. You, you guys are going to be really up for it for the last two games, aren't you? We are, absolutely. Um, so we've got three games left in, in our season, Steve. We, we've got the, the Molde game this Thursday, the Arsenal game the following Thursday. And, and then I suppose, I'm not sure if you're aware, but the, the important thing is we've, we've got our domestic cup final sandwiched in between on Sunday. Um, so it's a real a real juggling act for us now over over the next few days as to how we make sure we are as competitive as possible on Thursday night, while also making sure that we're in a position to put our best fo foot forward in, in what is essentially the, the biggest game of the season for us on, on Sunday. But look, we've got a really, really good squad, plenty of depth in it. Um, we've chopped and changed... You know, for the last three months, we've had to chop and change an awful lot because the games have come every three to four days for us. So it's something we're quite used to doing. Um, and we do feel we're in a position to to be able to pick two sides for both Thursday and, and Sunday that can, can can try and get something out of both games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at your um, your, your squad here on, on Transfer Markt and just t talk us through a couple of names that, you know, Norwegian followers should watch out for on, on Thursday night who might uh, potentially make a difference. Yeah, look, um, I suppose goals-wise, um, goals-wise, quite a lot of our goals have 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 come from from David McMillan of recent. He's he's done very very well for us. Um, also, Michael Duffy is a, is another guy who's who's both creative and and can score. But I suppose the strength of this panel is is in the fact that it's not a team of of, of superstars. It's more a team of of of, uh, of collective spirit and and collective organisation, um, and that's what's kind of served us very very well in terms of, of of winning so many titles over the last few years and and i think this is our, our sixth or seventh consecutive domestic cup final um and it's that it's that unity and and kind of team camaraderie that they've got more so than having any um any outstanding individuals i suppose to be mm. honest yeah i mean i watched obviously the first match in in ireland and you were certainly i thought you were the better team for about 50 minutes really um, and then you know, Mold just kind of came good in the second half. Uh, I was impressed with uh, how you, the organisation of the team. I, I liked how your goalkeeper, especially, was commanding at the back with his uh, with the defence there. And yeah. um, you know, it's this is a situation where all the pressure's on Mold to win. Everyone expects them to win. And is that sort of do you, will you relish being the underdog? Yeah, yeah, I think that will. We're hoping that will work very, very much in our favour. Yeah, I, I completely agree. As you say, look, the first half, um, the last day back in Ireland, I, I thought, yep, I'd agree with you. We were the better side in the first half. Um, but in fairness to Molda, you know, when it come to when it came to going through the gears and 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 trying to um, trying to turn the game around, they did do fantastically well. For I mean, for about twenty minutes, we we, we literally couldn't get out of our own half. In fairness to them, um, they did that extremely, extremely well. Now again, we came back into it then late in the game, and and we were frustrated not to get something something late on. But I did think it was by and large it was it was a, a real kind of tick for tat game. I don't think there was a mm -hmm. a huge amount which, you know, is is you know if we can make these games fifty fifty, well then we're doing something right because obviously coming in, you know, looking at at, at bookies odds or looking at at, at what values are looking at whatever kind of parameter you wanted to weigh up the two sides we would be big big underdogs um but yeah i i, I thought we, we we for vast majority of it we gave as, as good as we got the last day and we're, we're hoping and and confident that we can very much do the same this time around tell us about the strange situation that's going on with your your manager here in your new for at the moment uh filippo uh Giovanioli. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. Yeah, but, that's uh, that's that's a good effort, all right. Yeah, that's a good you're, effort. You're basically sort of um the man in charge according to UEFA at the moment because of some uh badge thing. 
Ah, uh, yeah. Well, look, you know, there's paperwork is paperwork, <laughs> um, and and unfortunately, it does have to be abided to uh, to a certain extent. But yeah, look, Filippo is not allowed on on the sideline at the moment on uh, for European games because he doesn't hold a, a UEFA Pro license. Um, and because I do, I'm I'm the one cast into that role on match night. But I can assure you, it it is very much Filippo is 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 the man in charge, and we do all our work leading into the game, and and he leads all of that. And in in terms of what we try and and do on match night it's all well prepared and you know we're you know myself and 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 giuseppe who's who's the uh filippo's assistant between the two of us we're, we're basically just trying to execute the, the, what what filippo wants to the best of, to the best of our ability really you know is it one of those where you have to sneak him in the uh, laundry basket like <laughs> <did that> time? <laughs> we, we have we haven't quite chanced that one yet, but uh, given next Thursday is our last game of the season, you'd never know. <laughs> you'd never know what stunts we might pull. Um, now, yes, you, you mentioned you're involved in this uh, FA uh, Cup uh, final match against uh, Shamrock Rovers, um, and uh, you know I've noticed that they actually won the League of Ireland uh, division this year, unbeaten actually. Now, what sort of uh, state is Irish football in these days for, for those who are not really aware of it? I mean, it feels to me like it maybe it's on the rise again. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, so we've had a very, a very, very strange situation in Irish football where um, the off-the-field politics has been what's grabbed the headlines over here for the last few years. Um, the best-selling sports book in Ireland this year has is a book called Champagne Football, which is basically a book about the uh, rise and fall of... CEO of Irish football, a guy called called John Delaney, um, who who is now gone from the association, but he has been a huge, huge figure, um, in Irish football over the last ten years, and. There would have been a feeling, I suppose, that uh, he wouldn't have had uh, domestic football at, at the forefront of his priorities and that, that potentially that was what was holding the domestic league back. Um, the unfortunate problem now is that he is gone, but he's gone at a time where the FAI finances aren't in a great position. Um, throw in COVID on top of that means they certainly aren't in a great position. And whereas... Previously, the issue was there was never a will to invest in the game domestically. Um, now there is a will under the new stewardship of the FAI. There now is a will, but the problem now is, whereas previously there was finances to do it, now there aren't finances. Um, so I think Irish football is probably going to have to, to ride it out over the next season or two. I don't see any great... I mean, they, they, the, the domestic prize money is absolutely paltry over here compared to, to, to most other leagues around Europe. That That's a huge bugbear of, of clubs domestically. Um, and in general, you know, just the marketing around the league, everything left a huge amount to be desired. But as I say, there is now at least a will to try and, and correct that. We were pro but we're probably going to have to, to sit it out and, and, and sit tight for a, a, a year or two at least before we see... Um, the money been there to, to to back it you know yeah i mean i've noticed that you've qualified am i right in saying for uh, some uh, the europa league qualifying next year with your league position um would, would winning the this cup make any difference to that um no and and it's actually completely tied up now yeah we're, we've qualified for the europa league and because both teams who are in the cup final have both qualified for europe it now means that the team who finished fourth in the league sligo rovers they're now guaranteed europa league action as well um so they are but yeah look it was hugely important and that was a problem for us was that we, we while we were in the initial rounds of europe we hadn't yet assured that we were going to wrap up third position and, and be guaranteed to be back so we were trying to balance making sure that we achieved that aim with, with trying to 
to be competitive in Europe. So so having that is secured is a is a certainly has been a, a weight off our backs. Um so it has. So we're able to, as I say, concentrate a little bit more, although obviously with a cup final on Sunday we're 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 still riding two horses to a certain extent, you know. Yeah, I mean it looks like you know this sort of last um last uh, week or so in, in December is obviously a big week for you in uh, in the footballing uh, uh, aspects of things and uh, just going back to the coaching situation how difficult is it when you've got um, the manager actually on the sidelines or is it are you really well drilled you know you've got plans in place yeah no it it, it, it is it's it's really really well drilled um, as I say look you know myself and Giuseppe would talk to Filippo before on, on the day of the game and say right if if this we literally go through every player in the field if this guy gets injured what what do you want to happen if this guy gets injured what do you want to happen then obviously we'll look at various different scenarios if uh if we're behind what do you want to happen if we go ahead what do you want to happen if we went down to 10 if they went down to 10 we, we, we just need to do a huge amount of planning now i'm sure it's still extremely frustrating for Filippo on match night because he is probably still seeing things on match night that he'd, he'd like to tweak if he was there on the sideline himself but look we try and uh we try and make sure it has minimized the the, the impact i suppose is the best way i can put it to just before we finish here, t- tell us a little bit more about the actual uh, uh, the place, the Dundalk in in the north uh, east of, of the Republic of Ireland. There, uh, uh, big up your uh, your town there. <laughs> well, I suppose the first thing I'll have to do is admit that I'm not from Dundalk myself, Steve. I'm 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 further down the country. I'm down down in the Midlands in in a, in a county called Leash. But uh, yeah, Dundalk is is a fantastic little town, um, and it is a small town, a very small town. It's it's about an hour from Dublin, which would be uh, the place I'm sure that most of your your listeners would be far more aware of. An hour north of Dublin, um, and it's it's also quite close to to the border for northern ireland um you know a, a, an hour up the road would, would have you in northern ireland so it would so it's, it's it's kind of in between the two but very much in the republic i can tell you that um but yet no look it's, it's it's a great spot and and they've had some fantastic years from a football point of view for a for such a small town to have been the dominant team in the league of ireland over the last decade has has been absolutely wonderful for them and wonderful for the whole town and you know, over in Ireland, um, we've got our, our domestic games, which are, are, are hurling and Gaelic football. And to be honest, you, you tend to see more local support at ground level when teams are doing well in those sports. But Dundalk would be one of the few towns in Ireland which is is primarily a soccer town and really, really gets behind, really, really gets behind football. The whole town is is decked out in in black and white and uh, signs up on all the windows and 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 everything all around town when a big occasion comes around. So uh, look, it's it, it's been brilliant for them and hopefully we can give them a few more big occasions. Yeah, well, for those of you listening there anywhere in the world, if you're visiting Ireland in the summer, it's a summer league, isn't it? The League of Ireland. Get yourself to Dundalk and, and, and watch a game. Uh, watch a game over in Ireland. You know, it's something for people to tick off their their bucket list. Shane Keegan, thank you very much for joining us on the Nordic Football Podcast. Best of luck uh, for the remaining Europa League games and that uh, big match against Shamrock Rovers. Cheers, Steve. Thanks very much. Really appreciate your time. Thanks very much. Welcome back to this episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. And uh, that was a fascinating interview there, Steve. Well done. And it's good to get a little bit of insight from the Dundalk camp ahead of that game. Uh, yeah, it looks like they're they're already out and it's, it's looking like a toss-up toss between Rapid Vienna and Molde for that sort of second place in, in, in the group behind Arsenal. What is your outlook for the rest of this you know, group stage and, and, and obviously the game coming up? Yeah, well, I think that the most important game for for, for Mulder is uh, is definitely the, the last one in Vienna because even if they were to lose at Dundalk, if they go to Vienna and win, then they are going to be qualifying because of the head-to-head record. So um, 
I mean, they they got to hope Arsenal do a job for them. Um, they got to hope Arsenal beat Rapid Vienna, which, I mean, to be honest, you wouldn't bank, you wouldn't be having monopoly money on Arsenal to win a game of football right now, would you? So there's no guarantee that'll happen. But uh, yeah, it's going to go to to Vienna, you know, all the way. And, and you know, I, I say I really enjoyed the interview with Shane. He's a, he's a, he's a nice fella. Um, you know, it's good to see a club like that sort of on the European stage. And you know, maybe they have a bit of uh, look at the Irish on. Uh, in the Europa League match um, this Thursday. Indeed, they're going to need the, a bit of luck and, you know, maybe go out with a with a bit of a bang. Uh, so, yeah, obviously best of luck to Dundalk, but we, we're probably a bit biased as well. But there are a lot of Norwegian supporters who aren't massive fans of Moldova for various reasons. So, um, you know, it might be a bit of a split, split camp there in terms of who people want to win going into that game. I'm sure we'll be providing some sort of coverage on Twitter and that kind of thing. So don't forget to follow us on Twitter mm-hmm. at NordicFootPod. And um, you know, keep in, in touch, subscribe to the podcast, and yeah, we'll be we'll be giving a little bit of a coverage of that game. This is a massive game, really, isn't it? For Norway's coefficient as well. Um, Steve, let's move on. We've got some listener questions, mm. and I have to say that there's, we've had quite a, quite a, a lot of questions actually this this week, which is which is great. Uh, so thank you to everyone who's tweeted in, tweeted any questions. I'm going to pick out one for you. Not sure whether to throw your curve or, or just throw your normal. But I think we'll start with the normal one, which is um, Do you think that Marty Sifuentes is going to stay in the Elite Serian? And where do you think he's going to coach? And that question is from Ramon Villagelu Armella, um, I believe. Hopefully, I'll pronounce that correctly. So thank you, Ramon. Steve, what's your thoughts on Marty Sifuentes? Um, I'm just struggling to see where he is going to. Uh, go coaching in Norway. That's the problem, John. I mean, I would love to see him stay in, in the division because he's done a fantastic job at Sandefjord. Me and Ben Wells discussed in the recent podcast uh, about him in a bit of detail, and, and you know, we both rate him highly. But I just don't see where a big enough job is going to be available now because the Viking of uh, they have got rid of their manager, Bjarne Bernsen, um, and they're going to replace him with a dual management. Uh, a bit of a Jurgen sort of thing next season where they got two assistants who are going to be promoted to head, join head coaches. That He was linked, sort of rumoured there, uh, Sefuentes at some point. I suppose Brown could be a situation where he goes, but I, I, I actually don't believe they're going to give up on Carter Ingebrigtsen so quickly. So all the other big clubs have pretty much got their managers in. Um, and unless like someone, maybe, I don't know, Jethil Knutsen, Maybe he's poached by a big club abroad or someone like that. Or maybe you never know. A big club can suddenly randomly lose a, a manager. But I just don't see a spot for him right now, Jonathan, sadly. So I think it's probably going to be somewhere else other than Norway. Yeah, well, there are big rumours that he might be coming to Sweden, in fact. <clears throat> There's uh, been quite a few links with him heading to maybe Mjalby to take over from Marcus Lance, who will be leaving um, Mjalby. Uh, and yeah, just to be just to be clear, he's, he's already confirmed he's leaving Sandefjord, doesn't he? At the end of the season, it's already been been confirmed that has. <clears throat> so <clears throat> he's on obviously on the lookout for a new club, the thirty eight year old. He's quite a highly rated uh, young manager, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, this is. I mean, you, some of you might be listening and thinking, you know, why am I talking about big clubs here? You know, when he's only been at Sandefjord. Well, the reason is he's he's really impressed there with his style of football, very limited squad, and um, and stuff like that. Just very adaptable coach and so i think it's only fair that he is sort of linked with uh, uh fairly certainly bigger names uh, a step up from sandfield if you know what i mean 
Mjalby, I don't know. I mean, that kind of surprises me. I don't know how big they are in, in Sweden or anything, but it doesn't seem like a big jump up to me. Um, so he, he might have got himself in a situation where he hasn't kind of politically managed it that well. And he's kind of, what's he left with, if you know what I mean? Sometimes beggars can't be choosers, can they, if you're out of a job? So he may have gambled on someone else taking him, I don't know. But Mialbi to me, doesn't sound like a big step up. But um, I suppose you're better off in work than out of it, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, well, I'd have to disagree with you if I'm honest there, Steve. I think Melby would be a big step up. It's uh, a much bigger club in general, in my opinion. Um, and in terms of their expectations, they've had a really good season this season since being promoted. Um, Melby aren't, aren't a small club in, in Sweden necessarily. Um, but but also, yeah, like I say, they, they've had a, had a good season and I'm sure next year um, the aim will be to build on it. The, the announcement that uh, Lance will be leaving um, has come... It was a bit of a shock to Melby. Maybe we'll come on to that a bit later, but... Um, yeah, I think, you know, they are going to be on the lookout for a new coach and, and he'd be probably an, quite an interesting option for them. There's also been rumours with uh, AAB as well um, in Denmark. And yeah, that would so be... Clearly, yeah, clearly this is a manager with a lot of different options. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Mm. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, Sifuentes himself has said AAB are a big club, but he does not want to give any uh, comments yet on his future, which is probably uh, fairly understandable. Yeah. So thank you for that question, Ramon, and we'll move on. Um, we've got a question here now. I'm going to be honest with you, Steve. I don't know if you have a sort of kindred spirit on Twitter. Do you have like a long lost twin or a sort of, you know, not that I'm aware of, no. Spiritual, a spiritual. Uh, you know, <laughs> a kindred spirit out there because Mark Inger is a northerner with a Leeds United bio. He's got Leeds United in his bio and a massive hello, we are Leeds, <laughs> we are Leeds in the flag and a Norwegian flag in his Twitter account. So not only that, but he's got a very nice uh, cat um, in his profile pic, which is, I'm pretty sure I've seen that cat somewhere before uh, on this podcast. Um, seems like he's, you know, one of you is definitely, I've never seen both of you in the same room anyway, that's all I'll say. <laughs> um, but uh, Mark Inger asks, well, he doesn't really ask, he says, uh, Halgerson are so bad. And that's really just, that's his comment. So I wonder what your thoughts are on Halgerson. Well, going back to the cats, it, was, it looks a beautiful pussy, I must say. Um, really like the look of that one. And, uh, I mean, I, I've got to be honest here. This was an interesting comment because Hogerson uh, I, I, and all them sides, we don't really talk about them much on this podcast. They're a bit like, this season, they're kind of a bit like the Elsborg of, of, of Norway, if you know what I mean. There's not too much to say. and uh, But they've won four of the last seven games and the two losses, one of them was to Molder, which I'm going to, you know, I'll let them off that. And they lost a freak game against Olesund when the, the heavens were open and there was like, incredible storm going on so they've actually been in decent form recently i do just wonder if that comment kind of came on the back of maybe someone had betted on them today against meandal and 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 they failed to deliver in a one-all draw and got a late late equalizer so it may have been a bit of um annoyance on that uh, person's behalf there but uh, i don't think they're bad at well, all like, they're not he bad does say all. he does say i say that as an fkh fan so um, <clears throat> obviously he's the fan of the club. Mm, I, I mean, what they haven't been that. I mean, the whole season maybe slight disappointment compared to recent years. I mean, they had Europa League runs, uh, 
um, not so long ago in qualifying, of course. Um, so maybe the whole season, yeah, there's a tinge of disappointment, but I didn't have them particularly high in my predictions. I think I had them about ninth or 10th. I didn't expect that much from Holgerson this year. I don't think anyone did. Like, no one thought they'd be in the relegation zone or anything, but I think they're pretty much where, you know, you look at most people's preseason predictions, and I reckon a lot would have had them ninth, and that's where they're, they're going to finish between eighth and 10th or 11th. They'd be, they're locked in that sort of mid-table vicinity. I, I don't think you can complain too much as a fan unless you really want more. But at the same time, you can't exactly praise them either that much. But in recent times, they've been playing all right. How's my man Bruno Lighte doing? Is he still there? Yeah, he's had some good games, actually, at times. I mean, inconsistent. Um, like I said, they're a bit of a club. There's not really a lot to say about them at times, August and this year. There's nothing. If you ask me one player from them this season that stood out, uh, I couldn't really name you one because no one's been that brilliant or anything. Um, I'm sure if I, if I looked in detail, I could probably see it. But they're, they're doing pretty much what, what they say on the tin. I thought this would happen with them, and, and that's where they are. We'll move on. We've got a few more questions, but I'm going to save them for a little bit later in the show because um, they're, they're sort of a bit more at the top mm. of the table. Um, we're, we're sort of sticking around the relegation battle in Norway this week. Um, and you've got a few comments on Odd. And then obviously, you know, results that have taken place this evening have kind of shaken things up a little bit, haven't they? Yeah, well, I've got to start with the with Odd uh, and the COVID uh, issues. they've had. Basically, I, the rules are very strict in Norway. That if, if anyone you know tests positive, um, a player at a club, then their matches, uh, the whole squad has to go into isolation for like 10 days, and you know, there's postponements ensue. And unfortunately, it's just happened at the wrong time of year where they got to finish the season off. So, Odd are already two games behind most of the other teams in there, and it's led to a really crazy finish to the year in terms of um, actual fixtures. Um, we've got round 28 is taking place on Sunday and Monday. Seven fixtures on uh, those. For some reason, we're starting at four o'clock. I'm not sure exactly why. It's usually five o'clock. For some reason, it's four o'clock. Um, and then there's a, a six o'clock game. It's UK time. Uh, Mulder, Olsen, and then Monday, Volerenga, Rosenborg. Then it kind of gets mental. We've got five... Round 29 is basically... Odder involved three times in round 29. Um, so if you're doing the Elite Assyrian Fantasy... Wow. You've got a triple game week for your for those players, um, and <laughs> it's kind of it's big implications for those who are doing the fantasy. But we've got Wednesday 9th of December five matches. Thursday tenth of December we've got two games. Then there's three more matches on Sunday the thirteenth of December, and then another match on Wednesday the sixteenth, which is odd. And then odder in action again, just one match on its own Saturday nineteenth, and then the final round, everyone kicking off at the same time. Tuesday, 22nd of December, which is the latest I've ever known any match in top flight Norway in my whole life. You know, this is two days before Christmas Eve. Yeah, Santa's coming down his chimney not too long after this the, this round takes place. Um, so hopefully, I mean, hopefully odd don't get any more cases. I think they had some more positive tests, sadly, in the last few days. At, um, and we might have to, like, extend one of the matches by one day. But, uh, I mean, they're going to have a crazy fixture list. I mean, they're going to be playing four times in the space of, what, um, well, 9th of December till 22nd of December. So, that's what, four games? Four I mean, games. Surely that's going to, the season's going to be extended, surely? If there's, you know, they're not going to. 
if there's, an, if there's another outbreak, what happens here? Is there, I, you know? Yeah, I think we're we're struggling. We're really if there's any more outbreak anywhere, I, I just don't see how we get done before Christmas. And and then there's implications for the re, the relegation playoff match. I mean, Obos Ligans had cases. I, I'll be honest, I've not actually looked in detail when the schedule is for these for the re, the playoff match. It's going to have to be January, isn't it? I don't know when the hell they're going to do it. Uh, maybe back end of December. And you know what about some of the pitches that uh, you know they're going to be able to play on them? Are they are they going to be neutral venues brought in with under soil heating and whatever? I don't know. I mean, I need to look. Do, do, you, do you think then, if you don't know, do you think that odd um, can handle this? Or you know, sometimes it's, it's a bit of an advantage, isn't it, when you've got a, a nice run of games mm. and you get the rest? Um, or do you think this is going to sort of really disadvantage them because they're they're going for the top three? I mean, they're only currently six points off third. I, I've noticed, uh, and this um, this has happened in two games in hand. This has happened in France as well. Teams that are forced to have postponements. I mean, France is different because like ten or twenty people at the whole club have been tested positive. And to be in fairness, odd, you're talking probably half a dozen maximum. So, but I've noticed that teams that have come back from this extended COVID break tend to struggle. It takes them a while to get back into the rhythm, Jonathan. So. I kind of worry for them because they've got Christiansen away, which is a bloody hard game. And then they go to Sandefjord three days later, which I mean that's a grass pitch and it's a you know that could be that could be tricky. Got Strom's got at home three days after that. We're fighting for their lives, and then the final game of the season is away at Bran, which is another grass pitch. Uh, not I can't imagine it'd be easy to play on. I mean I'd be surprised if I'd get more than six points out of that that run. Uh, so I think it's going to end their European hopes. To be honest with you, um, you know, it's all well having the games in hand. When they come thick and fast like that and you've had players, you know, ruled out for, for COVID and everything, they've not been able to train, you know, the whole squad had to take this 10-day isolation or a lot of people in the squad did. I think it's it's, it's, it's unlucky for odd. They've had a good season overall, but I, I think they're probably going to finish, uh, you know, seventh now. I could probably be or finish ahead of them. But, you know, you never know. They might come back and get in a rhythm, but I, I do fear for them. Worrying, worrying times for odd, and you know, let's move down to the relegation battle again because uh, a result that's definitely caught my eye is uh, Buda Glimt failed to fail to win a game, which is incredible. Uh, it's quite rare, isn't it? Only four times in twenty-seven this season, and it's IK start who have got a valuable point, haven't they, in a one-all draw, mm. um, which keeps them just above water in thirteenth, two points above the relegation zone. Uh, Strom's got to have one game in hand, but uh, big point for start that. Yeah, I, I'd be really pissed off if I was like Strumsgudse or, you know, Sartsborg, someone like that. Because like Budiglimt have hammered everyone all year and now they've won the league and it almost feels like they've down tools a bit. You know, they've gone there to start and they've not played that well and, and start defended well, give them some credit. But, uh, you know, you would be pretty damn annoyed, wouldn't you? But uh, I'm sure if it, if the game mattered, Budiglimt would have gone there and done a professional job. So, uh it's unlucky for the teams down there alongside start, but um, you know, Mjendal and they, they conceded a late goal as well. Otherwise, they would have held on for a priceless win at Augustund. But Mjendal have got two of their last three games are against Start and Arlesund. That could be six points. So they're not out of out of out of it yet. Strom's God set have lost like five or six in a row. They didn't play this midweek round. Their match was against Odd. So they've had they've had um they've had this week off and I think that's done them a favour actually because they they needed like they need need some time to get back on track um, but their fixtures you know there's some winnable ones there it's going to be close 
one thing it does look likely now it seems that Brown are safe it looks like Sanderfield are probably safe Sarsborg are near enough home and hose that they're, they're limping over the line but they're near enough home and hose but um you know big point for start start strums good at me and darling I mean this morning time I don't know who I'm going to predict to be honest to finish where yeah I mean uh -huh. it's um you know, if you look at the form guide you've got Salzburg, Arlison, and Strums Godset bottom at the bottom three, then Mjundal and, uh, and Sandy, uh, sorry, start have really pulled away. They've been all right. The last eight games have drawn three, drawn two, won three, lost three, which is pretty decent, and uh, picked up 11 points, which is way more than any other teams down the bottom. At least four points by I... Mjundal and Salzburg, Arlison, and Godset. Um, I mean, one thing about Sandyfield, I'm, I'm, you know, we, 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 I think you predicted them. To have no chance this season of staying up, didn't you? I believe mm, I did. Yeah, um, I, I, yeah, they've done incredibly well to stay up, haven't they? They have. Uh, like, I mean, you know, I praise my Marty Sifuentes. That was the worst. That was the worst squad on paper heading into the season. I won't have anyone say anything else. Um, it was the worst team on paper. Uh, they, they signed some good players though. After that, and he's developed some of the young players. So right now, it's not the worst squad on paper. It's still pretty damn close to it. Uh, so he's done incredibly well there. Start as a team, I've got to be honest, I hope they go down. I don't like that club at all. I, I feel nothing for them. They've got a big like stadium, which is nearly 20,000, but there's hardly any fans there. Um, they always seem like a mercenary club, if you know what I mean. Like they're all, like they signed a couple of old dogs, Belanios and El Macrini. Uh, in the recent transfer window. And, and they've always been like this. There's always like loads of comings and goings at the club. And if it wasn't for the likes of, you know, they, the odd youngster like Darland now, Christopher Ayer in the past, that they just feel such a mercenary unit that I just, you know, I just can't feel anything for them. Compare that to like Mjerndal or Strom's Godset, who actually, you know, trying to develop their own talent, trying to develop their own identity, keep with a similar sort of core squad they've done all season. Start to just feel like they're trying to almost buy their way, buy their way out of trouble. And um, they did this when, you know, when Mark Dempsey was in charge of them that season, where they came up, everyone thought they were going to do brilliantly. Um, I just, I don't like the club particularly, Jonathan. I, I just don't think they had much of the elite Serian at all. So I would like to see them down. But uh, there's no doubt they've finished the season quite well. Yeah, you're not you're not really a fan of yellow shirts, are you? I mean, you've had this problem before <laughs> I know, with, uh, with um, was it Lillestrom as well, uh, in their yellow shirts? <laughs> yeah, well, I did, I did nothing against Lillestrom, honestly, nothing again. I respect, totally respect that club. It, it probably needed to go down. And by the way, they're like two points away from coming back up now. So, well, you weren't saying nothing against them a year ago. You were delighted. <laughs> yeah, but they deserved it. That's you, they, be you were happy they went down. <laughs> I was because they, I think they deserved to go down and they needed almost a reset. But that club, you know, is a historically big club. They know that they can come back strongly. And, you know, they're, they're, they're a side that, most people will want to see in the elitist area. Hmm. Start for me, just I just can't feel anything for them. Nothing against any start fans or anything, but it's just like it just annoyed me how they just signed these sort of old veterans. It just reminded me like such a mercenary side. Yeah, fair All, enough. You know, always coming, always loads of guys in and out. Fair enough. You know, you've made your point. I think quite clearly um, mm. on that one. Um, I mean, you you, you know, Mark Mark uh, Mark Ingle would have been happy because start start would batter the. Well, they we wouldn't have been happy. I mean, sorry, because they were they were batted five one by start in October. But it's not really apart from that for uh, for for start. It's not really been an amazing run of games. Uh, did win back to back recently against Odd and, and Sarpsborg. But 
a four-one defeat by uh, Viking, but a good point against against Glimp maybe gives them a little bit of hope. Um, I can't let this section go, Steve, without asking you about Rosenborg because you know we'll read out some of the score lines from this week just gone, um, and we haven't talked about the weekend's games. And I need to ask you about this because. You know, the week midweek round, we've got Starbuck one, Valerenga one, Arlison nil, Sandifield one, Haugerson one, Mjondalen one, Sarpsborg one, Christiansen one, Start one, Budaglim one. A lot of one ones there, isn't there? Uh, Viking knit two, Brand nil. Uh, but you go back to Sunday, Steve, and you know you got to rub your eyes, I think, for this one. Budaglim five, Rosenborg one. Now, you know we talked about Budaglim on and on and on, so. There's no real need to dwell on them, I guess. They're the champions of Norway. You know, I'll repeat it again for all their fans. They're the champions of Norway because they've never heard that before. But uh, Rosenborg are fourth in the table at this moment in time, Steve. And, you know, there was a little piece of news, which we'll come on to maybe later in Sweden, but where a player from IK Sirius turned down Rosenborg. Now, do you worry about Rosenborg in general? Because, you know, I don't think we've really talked about them too much on this podcast this season. And, you know, they are a massive club in terms of um, the league. I was on a recent podcast, uh, World Football Index, and you know I described Rosenborg as like the Juventus of, of Norway. But but to be honest, they're really struggling, aren't they? What, what has gone on with this 5-1? And just to widen out a little bit, I mean, are there maybe reasons to be fearful for, for Rosenborg fans going forward? Because if they can't attract players from Sirius, I mean, that to me suggests there's maybe some underlying deeper problems here. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, obviously that is is a, a worry if they, if they can't get someone from from serious. Um, I, I don't. I certainly don't worry about Rosenborg in the long term, though. They're the big, what the biggest club in Norway. Um, they will always find. They will always land on their feet eventually. They've got great, good financial muscle, and um, you know, in the long term, they'll they'll be up there again. But in the short term, I, I do worry. Yeah, because you know it's been it's not been a great year for them they they had a massive step backwards taking on Irik Horniland that really cost them i think um having him as manager but you know Olga Reed has come in and they had a, an unbeaten run under him but every time i looked at him on the bench he was he was concerned because i think there's i can't think of too many matches even since he took over where you're like yeah, everything's hunky dory they, they look like they're making progress yeah there were some good results in there but there was often quite a few worrying signs as well. And I guess it all came to a hilt, you know, now three games lost in a row. I think the biggest concern actually was the loss to Bran, um, not too long before the, the Budaglim defeat. They, they were so poor in that first half against Bran. I was really worried. Um, against Budaglim, look, I'll be honest with you, that 5-1 was a bit harsh on them. They played at times all right. Certainly when they were two down, they, they should have made it 2-1 and then who knows. But um, yeah, they got their ass handed to them in that game. It's simple as that. They got... They were outcoached, outplayed. Uh, Budiglin players probably wanted it a bit more and just showed better application. So it was an embarrassing moment for Rosenborg, no doubt about it. And afterwards, the Budiglin Twitter account even embarrassed them. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I do worry in the short term because their transfer strategy is, I don't know exactly what it is. They probably need to look at getting some more younger talent in, maybe. It's difficult. Um it's a big off-season for them, but, I mean, look, you can't underestimate this club. It's a, it's a giant of a club and they can come back. Yeah, and uh, while you're on that subject, there was, um, there's was there been some talk about their sort of sporting director, isn't there? Because they've got a, a Swedish uh, sporting director, I believe, Mikael Dawson. Um, am I right in saying that? Yeah, 
Um, so probably why they're looking to the Swedish market. But uh, yeah, no, that that was a shocking uh, display. Really losing five one. Um, lastly, before we wrap up this section, uh, what are your thoughts on our player in focus for the week? Because we are doing two players in focus for this week, and this one is a player at Sandefjord you want to look at. Yeah, and um, I feel like it's time we I kind of gave this uh, squad a bit more love than than it is than, than, than what they deserve a bit more love than we maybe given them all year. But um, one thing I, I said before the start of the season was how poor the the squad looked on paper. Um, but one of the the players that's really stood up and be counted is the goalkeeper, and um, Sturovic is is his name and. Uh, Jakob Storovic has, has really impressed me this year. I think he's one of the main reasons why they have done as well as they have done. And if you if you to ask me my team of the season so far, he would he would be the guy I'd put in as goalkeeper. I think it's between him and probably Makani at Mjerndalen or maybe Christopher Klaassen at Volarenga. But for me, Storovic is the man who um, who's done it. He he. He came to my focus earlier in the season, probably when I was betting against them, and he, he just popped up with a couple of annoying saves. You know, a goalkeeper does that against your your team, and you think, well, where's that come from? When you don't really expect it. You know, if someone like, I don't know, think of a world-class goalkeeper, you know, I don't know, Alisson or whatever, Edison makes a good save against you. You kind of don't blink an eyelid. You expect it. But when it's a keeper you're not really expecting much of, then um, you kind of get pissed off, don't you? But this became it's not just the odd odd game. It became something a bit more uh, regular from Story. But I think he's got really good reflexes. I've been impressed with his um, jumping reach, if you know what I mean. He gets to a lot of balls that are going to the top corner, um, he, close range stuff, and uh, he's really good at doing that. He had one bad game which was against Brown, where he cost him a couple of goals. Uh, that's the only time I can really be critical of him this season. Um, and uh, like I say, I think there's things he can work on. And perhaps sometimes his positioning's a little bit off. But as I say, in terms of pure goalkeeping, reflexes is excellent. Uh, his, his actual distribution is really good as well, uh, in terms of throwing, passing. And I think he has a good uh, sort of uh, communication there with, with his defence and everything. And there's no doubt he's come up big. He's made some really big, big saves for them this season. Uh, again, I think from the penalty spot, he saved maybe two or three penalties, uh, which is obviously damn impressive. And you can't underestimate that defence has been one of the main reasons that Sandefjord have done well this year. And uh, like I said, I think he's one of the main reasons that they've uh, been allowed to... Uh, sort of progress and, and ultimately survive. And what is impressive going into the campaign, I, I don't think I saw anything mentioned about him being one to watch or anything. I think he's improved as the season's gone on. So I think fair play to the player himself, credit to the coaching staff. And um, like I say, I, I've been really in, impressed with Storovic this year. And uh, right now there's still three games to go, but I, I, don't, I think he'll certainly be the goalkeeper I put in my elite Serian team of the year. And it, it was kind of fitting tonight. If that is the result against Olsen that gets them, keeps them survival, 1-0 win. Olsen sort of really laid seeds the last five minutes. He made two or three really important saves that, uh, you know, might have gone in on another day. But he, he was there, safe hands, and they got the 1-0 win. So, yeah. Storovic, 
is definitely a player that deserves a lot of praise. Yeah, well, he's a 24-year-old goalkeeper, Jacob Storovic. He uh, he came through at Rosenborg, in fact, and he was part of the Next Gen series, which I always reflect on fondly. I remember going to a couple of Next Gen games. I remember watching Ser- Sergi Sampa, uh, Adama Traore at Barcelona as well when he was there. Now he's at Wolves, obviously. Um, before it got scrapped, and it? it was it was a novel tournament that the uh, Next Gen. It was eventually taken over by. Uh, UEFA wasn't it who didn't like the idea of it and uh, it was founded by Mark Warburton I believe uh, the former QPR and Rangers manager and then UEFA sort of came in and basically stole it and created the UEFA Youth League which has taken it over but yeah um, Storovic was in it as a 16 year old for Rosenborg back in 2012 or 2020 well I can't remember when but yeah under 16 level so um, that's that's quite an interesting fact there and yeah, I mean, it sounds like you, you've got some, you know, uh, still a young keeper. It sounds like you've got high hopes for him, Steve. Do you think he can go on? Do you think he'll, he'll move on from here? Or is this sort of just a, a flash in the pan? Um, he's 24 year old, which is quite young for goalkeepers, isn't it? Uh, I, I definitely, I think I could see him moving on to a better club in, in Norway at some point for sure. Whether or not that comes next season, I don't know. Uh, but if I was looking for a keeper, to, to upgrade in that area, he would be one of, on my, on my shortlist for sure because I think he's shown a lot of good things. And like I say, I just one bad match sticks out, but anyone can have a bad game, can't they? Uh, but, I mean, he's been an absolute points machine in fantasy for me personally. I mean, just recently, I mean, his last three games in fantasy, 10 points, 8 points and 7 points. And um, he's the third highest scoring keeper in fantasy, a very cheap price. I cottoned on to him sort of mid-season, and he served me very, very well indeed as uh, Jakob Storovic. And... Uh, yeah, there's a lot of sort of all-round qualities to his game that uh, that are obviously have served him well this year. And uh, you know, we don't often mention goalkeepers too much, do we, on the Nordic Football Podcast? So I thought it was a good chance to to build to big someone up. That uh, and, and historically, goalkeepers have never impressed me in this league anyway. I'm usually criticising keepers, are so uh, you know, fair play to him, and uh, hopefully, get a good move. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. You are normally criticising goalkeepers, so. Uh... <laughs> You know, uh, even I was quite surprised when you when I, I saw that you've uh, picked out a keeper. Um, but yeah, fair enough. Well played to uh, Jakob Storovic. He is our player in focus for Norway this week. Coming up after the break, we will look towards Sweden, and we've got a few more listener questions as well for for you, which we'll come back to. But um, for now, let's take a little break, and we'll see who our player in focus is, is for Sweden after this break as well. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm with Jonathan Fredugbe and we're now moving to Swedish matters. Now then, Jonathan, the relegation battle, there was a very, very significant result uh, in the penultimate round. Uh, tell us about it. Yes, the, the teams that will not die. I think that's the, the title of this section because uh, there are two teams in Ospenskan who are a little bit like... Um, I'm trying to think of a good analogy here, but, uh, you know, maybe like whack-a-moles in a uh, fun park where you beat them up, you smash them down, and next thing you know, they come popping back up again. 
um, or you know maybe like uh, maybe like the Undertaker for people who like wrestling because you know the minute you think you've buried him he comes comes back um, whether it's out of his coffin or back from the dead but yes uh, it's Kalmar and Falkenberg they will not die in this league uh, you all remember last season I'm sure and Steve I'm sure, I know you remember it fondly the way they masterminded the great escapes they're both their various great escapes uh to bury Gifson's foul this season they look to be maybe doing it again because um Kalmar pulled off a surprise defeat at AIK to uh keep their old fence gun status alive in the process they've relegated Helsingborg and it really was a smashing grab raid as they uh, triumphed in that game to to see off AIK who haven't had an amazing season let's not get it wrong but uh, they were, of course, favourites in that one, but a 1-0 win um, secured by Eric Israelson in the 84th minute. And it was a proper smash and grab one, this this one, Steve. It was, you know, Kalmar have had the lowest percent uh, possession in the league this season. They're, they're a team that has minimal possession. They do not keep the ball at all. I think 41% average, the worst by quite a distance. And they kind of went to script. They, 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 they sat back. Um, AIK had all the play, and it was really a game of you know them trying to hit them on the break and counters and transitions, and they did manage to get their goal late on, and it just keeps them alive, Steve. As I say, you know they're not out of it yet. Um, don't forget, E of course win against Ostersons means that it's it's the best they can offer. The best they can hope for is a relegation playoff, but uh, they're doing their best to secure that relegation uh, spot and in playoff place. So. Yeah, it was a really entertaining uh, weekend in, in that sense in the relegation. Do you know, when we first started doing this podcast, it was like, oh, Kalmar are always 11th. And then like a couple of years later, it was like, oh, Kalmar are always 12th. It feels like now Kalmar are always 14th. You know, they, they gradually slip in <laughs> every year, right? Um, I mean, they still haven't secured 14th because they could lose the last game. And they got Hecken. And Hecken are fighting for third spot. So... I mean, they could easily lose that game. And if Falkenberg get a result against Mialbi, and Mialbi don't look like they've got an awful lot at stake, although they are in good form. Um, you know, the Kalmar are not safe. You just kind of know they're going to finish 14th, though, don't you? You just sense it. Um, I mean, and, and you're right, AFK as well, just have that knack of getting over the line in recent years. I mean, Kalmar have won, you know, two of the last three. They've lost one of the last five. Has there any, been anything particularly recently that's sort of been the key for them in allowing this turnaround and perhaps setting them up for a, ultimately a playoff survival? Well, it's not all over, as you say, but, you know, Kalmar need a point and they're, they're safe. Um, not only that, but, you know, Falkenberg have to win against Mialbi. So it's going to go to the wire. There's a three-point gap, but obviously goal difference means that they're in a in a better spot. Nine, you know, there's a there's a about there's only one goal difference, but uh, yeah, Kalmar, you know, Falcon are going to have to do even better than last. They're going to have to go one better than last year to, to pull this one out of the bag. Um, in terms of Kalmar, you know, I think they just really do what they do. They, they, kind, of, they kind of have that knack when it comes to it, mm. um, you know. And it's got two situations, Kalmar, where I. I quite like them. I, I do hope they stay up. They've got a lovely... Um, I think they've got quite a nice fan base. Uh, they've got quite a few followers on Twitter who, who we have, who, who you know, I'm, I'm a bit, bit fond of, um, who support the pod. And not only that, they've got a lovely guy on Twitter who... I don't know who he is exactly. Some old guy. But uh, every week, 
he, he gives a sort of he tweets it out. I'm trying to find his address. Yeah, over Peterson. Now he's a private sponsor of Calmar. You can find him on Twitter at over Peterson. And uh, every week he gives these support message, messages of support for Calmar. Now he looks about sort of sixty plus, maybe. He's got his grey hair and he's got his Calmar shirt on, his red Calmar shirt on. And every week he sends these messages of support, and they get about eight nine thousand views. Uh, to be fair to him, and you know, it's, maybe it just seems to be working because uh, you know they seem to pull it off, and you know that that support from the fans that seems to be helping them. So um, yeah, it's a really, really it's going to be a really tight one. You know, I think they're going to they're going to they probably should get that point. You know, Nana Bergstrand is an old head; he's a wily old fox. They've, they've, their squad's been pretty pretty short this season. They've had injuries as well, I think, in key areas. Um, but it's not the greatest of squads. But they just found that bit of resilience. You know, the, the ARK game, it was... You just had a feeling they were going to win that game. I don't know why. It, it just felt like smashing grab had it all written all over it. You know, they were quite defensively solid. They got away with one or two at times. But um, in transition, they weren't too bad. Romarino uh, was lively at times. And yeah, you know, they, they've managed to get, it, put, put, get get away with it. Again, Falkenberg are another one. Um, but we're going to lose one of them, Steve. It's going to be one or the other as, as we come to the final day of the season this weekend. Do you know what? I like Kalmar. Um, I'm in that sort of mood tonight. I'm just going to reveal who I like and who I don't like. Um, I like Kalmar. When I grow, when I first started following Scandinavian football, sort of, I don't know, 2006, 2007-ish, they were up there, you know. They were, they were a contender most years. In fact, they won the league. In 2008, actually, so um, they were always a club. That, um, they're a big club, in my opinion. They've got they've got the the infrastructures there. If if they could sort themselves out a bit, you know, they could easily rise again one day. You know, it's it's a shame to see them struggling. Um, part of me almost wonders if they're a bit like. And I asked you this on the last podcast. I know this that would going down do them some good, and they can reset a bit like what happened to Lillestrøm. Perhaps sounds like it's not a good thing in Sweden, but. They just almost need a reset, and if they could hang on this year and then sort themselves out in the off season, I mean, it's wishful thinking, isn't it? But uh, um, I mean, going back, I mean, one team that we do know are down at Helsingborg. Just some quick thoughts on their relegation. Again, a big club, in my opinion, but for this level, and, and you know, bad news. Yeah, I mean, before I, you know, before I move on to Helsingborg, just to wrap it up on Kalmar. I mean, their XG against AIK Steve, was point three four. And uh, AIK's XG was 1.97, which is absolutely crazy, really, when, when you look at it. Um, that's just unreal, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> and it's not the first time Kalmar have had a below one XG. Very, very regularly, they've had 0. 0.34, 0. 0.55 against the Blow a few weeks back. Um, they're getting outdone on XG every week, pretty much. Uh, really have struggled for 0. 0.09 XG against Malmo um, in, a, in a 4-0 defeat in October. You know they just they just haven't really been able to get the goals. You know to answer your question, and they had they don't have the possession possession. Uh, they don't really have the clinical strikers. They don't really have that ruthlessness. So, um, but yeah, like as you say, you know they they do have. I, I always think with Calmar, it's just the recruitment. I'm not sure what they do with their recruitment. It's always I always laugh about it in the pre-season podcast, don't I? Because yeah, it's random signings you'll ever hear of. That's what I mean. They sort still themselves laughing, out. Laughing at Rooney from Ghana, um, <laughs> who they signed two years ago, who I never heard, who was never seen again. Um, always have some random Brazilians. And, you know, I laugh, but to be honest, it's not really benefited them, as it? I, I just think 
if they could find someone who can maybe help them out in that sense and, and get a proper strategy in place, like you say, they have got the infrastructure. Um, they've had a bit of a tough season in terms of the fact that they've had to play some games behind away from their actual stadium because of um, you know renovations and things like that. But yeah, it's, uh, if they if they do go down, then like you say, the reset could could need to happen. But uh, even if they stay up, they, they need a they need a rethink, in my opinion. Otherwise, they are kind of drifting. In terms of Helsingborg, yeah, it's, it's a crisis club. Um, 2016 was the last time they went down just before we started this podcast and I'll, I'll never forget that game because they uh, the fans were so angry about that game they ran onto the pitch and they uh, attacked Jordan Larson uh, ripped his shirt off from his from his from his chest um, it was crazy scenes um, and I, I think I learned in that game you don't mess with Helsingborg fans when they're angry and um, took them a while to come back up again and, and you know Looked to have the makings of, you know, they stayed up last season and looked to have the makings of an OK team this season. But I don't know what's going on with Olaf Melberg. But yeah, it's all come too late. The minute they were relegated, um, the board resigned. The chairman of the board has stepped down. Um, every board place has been made available. So, you know, if you fancy getting yourself on the Helsingborg board, Steve, uh, get your applications in because now's the time. And then literally, I think a day later or a few hours later, um, Olaf Melberg announced that he would be stepping down at the end of the season. Um, my question really is why why hasn't that come before it, it did seem like a club that was just going nowhere this season it, I remember Andreas uh, Grangfist who's obviously the captain of Sweden at one point um, you know the 2018 World Cup he was their captain and you know veteran defender bit of a legend even after like the first or second game he was like he had he was having really really aggressive press conferences you know really like angry saying this is not good enough. And I remember it, I remember it even after the first few games. And I remember thinking, like, you know, calm down a bit. It's, it's just it's still early days in the season. But, he, you know, he had really strong words. I remember at one point he said something like, you know, we can't um, can't continue like this. And, you know, it's not good enough. And I, I bang my head in the train, in the dressing room and stuff like this. I, I need to bang heads together. And I remember thinking after two or three games, I was like, well, it's quite alarming when your, your captain is losing it like that. Um, at one point, I think he punched the wall in anger. Um, yeah, and it's just kind of drifted since then. Since since then, you know, and obviously they lost Armin Djidjevic, they lost some decent players uh, who went to Russia. But I just wonder why Melba's leaving now. You know, I feel like maybe he could have maybe gone a bit earlier um, because it seemed to become more and more inevitable as the weeks have gone by. And to leave like immediately after relegation is confirmed it just seems to me, you know, a little bit kind of like after the after the horse has bolted after the Lord Mayor's show. So um yeah, Helsey brought down, which is a, you know they are quite a big club. So this is quite big news. Yeah, I thought they'd kind of learn a lesson when they went down before, come back up, had a half decent year last year, didn't they? To a to a degree, and just they, they haven't kicked on. But you know we are the, the season is near enough finished in Sweden. We're, we're getting to that stage of the of the year where we're thinking you know transfer transfers as managerial changes. Um, is there any latest there in, in those departments? Yeah, there's been quite a few big uh, announcements. Obviously, I mentioned earlier in, in part one about Mialdi. They'll be looking for a new manager. Um, it was announced that basically they're going to part ways with Marcus Lance. They, they can't agree on a way forward for next season. That's that's the, that's the stated line. Um, it seems like maybe Lance wants to do things his own way in terms of recruitment and, and has his own vision. And I'm not sure if Mialbi, you know, the club and the board really, really agree with that vision. Maybe they have slightly different ideas. They've done really well to finish where they finished. And uh, at times they've been really, I'm, I've been really impressed with them at times this season. 
um, <clears throat> to be where they are. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, I think it's a bit of a shame for Maori fans. I think they would have liked to have kept him, if I'm honest. But um, I guess there'll be, there'll be opportunities for others. We just mentioned Marty Fuentes is linked, which would which would maybe, you know, it sounds like he's doing quite well. Uh, we could build on it. They're currently sixth, which I, I, I think is unbelievable. And the lowest they can finish is seventh, which is incredible to finish above the likes of AIK, EF Core, um, potentially Hammerby as well. So, uh, yeah, really, really good season for them. And Lance is, will be set for, you know, I'm sure he'll he'll be, he'll be have people interested in, in taking him. The other big news, managerial front, is Sirius. Um, and you remember Sirius, Steve, we had Mohamed Saeed, one of their best players on, on this mm-hmm. podcast, their star striker, um, recently. And you can go back and listen to that episode. He talks a lot about uh, their manager, Henrik Riestrom, and the way he'd revolutionised the club. And at that time, they were having such a good season, but it's all gone a bit stale lately, and they've, they've fallen down to 10th. Um, they're in no danger. They'll be they'll finish, they'll finish sort of uh, the lowest they can finish is 11th. But, uh, yeah, he's announced he will leave the club at the end of the season. And he's given his reason, saying that the commute is too far for him. Um, now, he commutes from Uppsala to, I think he lives around near Kalmar. So, um, <clears throat> he, uh, he is, and obviously don't forget, he's a, you know played for Kalmar and is a bit of a legend there. He will be leaving the club at the end of the season. And uh, that's a bit of a blow because his football this season with Sirius was really, really good football to watch. One of the most exciting teams, in my opinion this season and um from what i gather from Mohamed saeed the players love playing for him really liked his ideas really bought into his vision so that is bad news for sirius yeah i mean we, we're going to get to that stage now we, we, there's always a lot of off-season um dealings players out of the clubs you know if you had a good year then you're going to be poached aren't you potentially or other reasons coming in there and uh, i mean we're going to do a player in focus now on on someone who may well be on the move potentially uh in, in the in the off season and uh do you know do you remember a podcast a few weeks ago where i my my prediction of a team that could get sucked into trouble was a varberg varberg boys yep and um i, I was looking at their fixtures and I, I did i feared for them but they actually they proved me wrong totally um and they've uh they've won three games in a row basically to get them out of trouble uh, scored a few goals in the process as well, but the L five, four, and whatnot. Anyway, we uh, your profile this week is going to be on uh, on one of their strikers. It is indeed, and it's going to be on uh, as a player by the name of Astrid Selmani. Now, you did say that, so you did say you, you feared for them, but uh, although I although I could sort of see what your point was, I never really felt worried about Varberg because they have some good players and I think they have quite a decent manager as well in fact and uh, their managers come out with a classic line I, I think um, the Klopp lookalike uh, he's come out with a really really good line which I'll come to in a minute on, on Selmani but yeah the player I'm going to focus on this week is indeed Asprit Seljmani he is a Swedish slash Kosovan player um, forward he's 23 years old and He's got a good number of goals this season, Steve. He's he's, he's banging it left, right, and centre. Fifteen goals. Yeah, now, yeah. Go. On. Yeah, I was just saying. I noticed that his goal scoring tally, you know, it's right up there in terms of uh, you know, second in the league now for for top score. Only Christopher Nyman is ahead of him from Norshipping. There, I mean, uh, what would you say? Are, I mean, it's obvious question. His best qualities. 
What type of striker is he? Yeah, well, this is a player that um, he he has a big future, in my opinion. He he will move on, and he he's going to be a player that if he's not snapped up this this summer this uh, winter, he'll be he'll be getting he'll be shipped off to another league within within you know not too long. Um, he's a really multi-purpose sort of forward in the sense of he scores different kinds of goals. He can score with his head, he can score with both feet. Um, bit of a poacher, you know, he scores tap-ins, but he can also finish. He, he scored the winner um, this past weekend, obviously Malmo, champions of, of Sweden. We talked about them in detail last week on the podcast, what they're good at and what they're not good at. Uh, he scored the winner again. It turned out to be the winner in the end against uh, Malmo last week. 3-2 win. Uh, he scored the third goal. It was 3-1 at the time. And then obviously Malmo pulled one back. But um, yeah, he, he, he scored a very nice goal in that game. And he is, in fact, a Malmo former youth team product. Um, he came through at Malmo. And there's a lot of rumours at the moment that he may well end up going back to Malmo. And um, that's where his manager, Joachim Pearson, came out with a classic line where he basically said, uh, if, you buy, if Malmo buy him for... 10 million Swedish crowns tomorrow. The very next day, he'll be worth 40 million. So um, I thought that was quite a funny quote, to be honest. Yeah, but essentially saying that there's no way they're going to let him go for that sort of cheap money. And also that he, you know, he really, really rates him as a player. Now, I tend to agree with him. And um, there's been a lot of interest from Malmo. There's interest from Noah Shopping. There's interest from Hammerby. A lot of teams are looking at Varberg and trying to maybe snoop around. And Varberg are a team who they don't have the finances to be able to sort of really compete in Osvenskan. They've, they've made that clear. They've stayed up, which is an incredible achievement. Um, but they won't be a team that's going to sort of build on that, I don't think. And, and uh, you know, they'll try and build on it, but it'll be through their own youth, youth players, their own recruitment. They've been quite good in the recruitment space. They've got some South African players. I think they've done very well with their recruitment. Um, they're not going to splash the cash, let's put it that way. Um, so any money they may get from Sajmani would, would probably not go to the club. Uh, recruitment it will probably go towards actually just keeping the club going and keeping them afloat and you know maybe be reinvested into the day-to-day running of the club but they are going to get a nice fee for Serge Barney I reckon because um yeah he can do a bit of everything in in that forward area he's second in the league for expected goals as well uh 13.69 xg and 15 goals scored and yeah he's um definitely a player like I said Eredivisie clubs have been looking at him uh, I believe as well so yeah certainly one to keep an eye on yeah, that uh, is uh, Astrid uh, Selmiani. Uh, I don't know if I pronounced that properly. I'm terrible with stuff like that. But yeah, that player in focus, one to watch there from uh, Varberg. And that Varberg manager sounds like he uh, he doesn't just look like Klopp. He kind of uh, acts like him as well with those uh, type of comments. I presume he's very happy with the five sub rule. Um, let's just say. <laughs> anyway, I suppose that's time I better ask you some questions that are coming from the listeners uh, about Sweden. And we're going to start with one from Cal, at SF Footballs fan. Thoughts on how on how Halmstad and Degafor will do? First season in the Allsvenskan for Degafor since 1997, if they beat last-placed Young's Killer on Saturday. How Degafor will do? Yeah, how 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 will Halmstad and and Degafor potentially do in the Allsvenskan? Um, I watched Degafors against Halmstad. Um, when they played each other, it was about a month or so ago now, I think, uh, and uh, Degafors absolutely smashed them. And I was really, really impressed with Degafors, I have to say. Um, I thought they were really good. Uh, so, yeah, congratulations. At Halmstad, they have some good players. Uh, they've got um, 
Samuel Croon, who I really like. Uh, I saw him in the third division when he was at Umea, and uh, I've liked him ever since. And he, he's actually exceeded my expectations, to be honest. He's really he moved to Halmstad and he's really pushed on this year and he's become a key man for them. He's got a lot of goals and assists uh, combined and, and really, really stepped up at level to the point where I think all Svenskan teams are looking at him now. Um, they've also got a player called... I'm trying to remember his name now because it's a double-barreled name. Um, just bear with me one second. It's I've lost it. His name's just lost me. Uh, it's Rasmus Vidasheim Paul, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. He's a um, he's a good player. He scores a lot of penalties, but he he also has a, he's got he's very multi you know very technically gifted player I think. And I've heard there's been a lot of interest in him as well from teams abroad, let alone Osvenskan. So um, yeah, they they've they've just got a good solid side. I think they they they're quite well drilled. Um, they both both wingers are, are decent, as I say, Kroon, um, getting balls into Vida time Paul, and they've also got Mikhail Bowman, who's a, a bit of a veteran uh, forward. Um, used to be at EFK Jotterburg, and they've got Crespo Kamara as well. He's a bit of a you know. There's a few names there who've been around the block in Osvenskan. So um, they've managed to mould all that together uh, and put together a, a very decent team. I like Hamstead. Uh, when we first started this podcast, I, I um I really enjoyed watching them because they had Sead Haksabanovic, who was at the time about I think 17, 18 years old, uh, and that year they got relegated, um, and they had a couple of decent players, um, but yeah, they didn't manage to sustain it, and this will be their first time back since. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, going back to the original conversation, yeah, Degafors smashed Hamstead four one in the game I saw, and I was really impressed with Degafors, um, so. I think both will have something to offer next season in in Osvenskan for sure. I, I think um, keep an eye on both of them. Yeah, I mean, I've just got to say actually, uh, Degerfor are not officially up yet. They've got to beat uh, uh, Jung, or draw against Jun's Killer to confirm it. They've actually lost the last two games, Degerfor, and uh, Yonshipping have won their last three. So Yonshipping could still t- still steal it. Yonshipping uh, are travelling to a, a club called Acropolis. It's a long way to Greece, isn't it? Um, <laughs> They're, they're playing CF side called Acropolis. Um, and uh, I say Degafor go to the bottom side. Both heavy favourites to win. I mean, you would expect them to get the job done, wouldn't you? But yeah, interesting stuff there. And at the bottom of the table, uh, it looks like Jumskiller are down. Omea looked down. Uh, Dalkern or Greta currently in the playoff spots. And one of those sides will be facing Bromma Poikana, uh, of course, managed by a uh, friend of the podcast, Sean Constable. Um, in a two-legged playoff game. Uh, I'm not sure exactly who they would face, whether it's geographical or points-related, but uh, I mean, I guess we, we must offer our congratulations to him uh, finishing the season well and, and getting that playoff spot. Yeah, massive congratulations. Uh, funnily enough, Acropolis, they, they ground share with uh, Bromer Poikina. They're, they're based in Stockholm. Um, when I was out there visiting, they they were they had a training session lined up just uh, after, after, after BP. So, um, yeah, I think they're newly promoted and they've done really well this season to be where they are. So um, they've had a good season. But yeah, Sean, very, very big, well done. Uh, it'll be a tough playoff game, that. Um, certainly not, um, you know, certainly not going to be easy for Sean, but I think that that's a massive opportunity. I think they smashed their most recent team, was it 7-1? Uh, the game they needed to win to get in to, to secure their playoff place. So very well done. How uh, how disappointing would it be for Bromer Polkan if they didn't get promotion? I don't want to think about it because <laughs> I really want... I really, really want Sean to get promoted. Like, uh, I think, like, you said you, you're not afraid to talk about what you like and stuff on this podcast, mate. I, 
I think there's nothing I want more than them to get promoted. So um, I don't really want to think about it if they don't. Uh, obviously, privately, I know from conversation with Sean as well, um, the situation there. So, so I probably can't comment too much. But um, I think that, yeah, all my energy is focused on hoping, hoping they get up because uh, I think he deserves it. He's a fantastic person, mm. a three-time pod guest. And, um, you know, obviously they had a really good competition, didn't they, in, in, in the team that, that won the league. But, uh, you know, he's, um, yeah, I mean, Dalkurd are going to be, if it, if it is Dalkurd or whoever it will be, it's going to be a tough opposition for them. Yeah, we wish Sean Constable all the very best uh, in that playoff match. Uh, really be nice to, to see to see Sean make it up there to the Super End. Top bloke is Sean. Okay, just to, to round off the Swedish section, then, there's, I know there's another uh, potential transfer that you want to talk about. Um Tell us about him. Yeah, well, the, the transfer season is starting to kick in, to be honest. Um, they, there's been quite a few announcements. That, for example, Helsingborg, they've announced at least four or five players will be leaving, including Cisse, who I think will go on and will get a, a decent move. I, I quite like him. He's a young a young player, can play out wide. Sometimes play them on the right-hand side as well. And he's decent. A series of announced four players leaving in, in at the end of the season as well. Maybe not quite as good. Um, there's also been an announcement that AIK, Colby and Sig Thorson will be leaving the club at the end of the season. It's really not worked out for him as a signing. You know, yeah, There was high hopes for him. I always remember him at, at the Under-21 European Championships about seven, eight, nine years ago. Um, and I always thought he might, he could have a decent career. And it seems like it, career-wise, you know, he's been he sort of tailed off a little bit. And it seems like they've come to a mutual agreement that he will leave at the end of the season, the striker. He's just not really had much of an impact that was a desired impact. Um, but one, one transfer that's been confirmed that Doug did catch my eye in terms of transfer fee is um, Jesper Karlström. Now, Jurgarden will be selling him. It's been confirmed to Lech Poznan um, in the uh, winter coming. And it's uh, a fairly big fee as well. So Jurgarden looking to start cashing in maybe as well. There's been an announcement that I think Jonathan Ring will be leaving. Frederick Overstad as well is leaving. There's rumours he might be coming to Norway. Um, but yeah, Jurgarden are going to receive about 7.5 million SEK, which is about maybe 700 grand from, from Lech Poznan, which is a really good deal for uh, Karlström, I think. So, um, yeah, he'll be off to uh, to Poland. So, yeah, it's just, um, you know, you know what it's like, Steve, this season's sort of winding down. We've only got really the European place, maybe. You know, Elsborg and Hacken going for it, second and third. Um, no shopping in fourth. But, yeah, season's kind of winding down now, really. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much rounds off the Swedish uh, section, doesn't it? I think that's pretty much rounds off the whole podcast. Although I think there maybe were a couple more questions. I'm not sure um, that we we forgot about. We needed to mention. Yeah, got a few uh, ones. We'll wrap wrap through quite quickly. We've got um, CJ Ted Cruz, my son, aka Odin's creation. Uh, he says, "Will the zinc be going anywhere? Uh, and what league can he go to? Any thoughts on that?" And uh, just before you answer that, Steve. Just want to say thank you to uh, at Ted Cruz, my son, because I don't know if you saw Spotify unwrapped, Steve, but uh, they recently did their list of, you know, they recently uh, had that list. Of, you can download your most listened to podcasts. And Ted Cruz, my son, uh, tagged us as his second most listened to podcast of the year, I think it was. So um, thank you very much for listening to us often in 2020, Mr. Ted Cruz. Yeah, we very much appreciate it, uh, CJ, yeah, very much. And uh, it's a good question. Will the Zinc be going away? I think he's going to have to end up going somewhere. You know, he's had such a fantastic year. He deserves to 
probably further himself. Um, and I think the world's kind of his oyster, really. I, would, I think there's a lot of leagues he could go in. I personally think the Dutch league would suit him really well. Um, he feels like that sort of player. But, um, you know, I don't rule anything out. You know, he could end up in... I think he could play English Championship level quite easily right now, in my personal opinion, and do a very good job. You know, there's a lot of good scouting networks out there uh, from from those uh, teams, and you know, you could see him somewhere. I know in Brentford or something. So, uh, you know, uh, somewhere probably mainland Europe, but uh, don't rule out anywhere for the zinc. Fantastic stuff. And uh, yeah, and then one more question I think on Norway, and that is on. It's always Buda Glimt, isn't it? It's um, mm. the town at this moment in time, which is totally deserved. Uh, and the question is from a highfish underscore DID. Why is the 09 highfish who asks? Random question. After the likes of Evian and Haug are moving to other big teams in Europe, who do you think is next from Glimp to move? Uh, and furthermore, are there any young talents you would highlight as prodigies from Mini to Serian? Uh, we have answered that one in the past, but maybe Steve, you want to just touch on the young talents. Uh, we had a, we did have an episode, which may be worth going back to, where we looked at a lot yeah. of talents in the league. I can't remember mm. which episode, but it was about four or five weeks ago. Um, but in the meantime, uh, Steve, what are your thoughts there? Is there any glint players on the horizon who are going to be leaving in the next few you know, months? Yeah, I think we've really got to watch out for Frederick Andre Bjorkan potentially moving on. He's He's done a really good stint at the club now, and he, he might be one that could move um, you know, down the line. I mean, this is a great club for, for talent, and uh, I've been really impressed by the young young lad who's coming to defence uh, recently, Isaac uh, Amundsen, who uh, he started the last two matches, the last three matches, and you know he looks like another great young talent there. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think probably Bjorkan, obviously the Zinkenagel. And then you have his young lads like, you know, Ola Solbakken could be the next guy. He's a really like a wide target man, you know, in, in, in build, but really good technically. So, uh, you know, this is kind of endless with Buda Glimt. And, and the league is a wider, you know, as a whole, there's loads of talents out there. That's probably something we'll look at um, more, more in detail, probably, as the season winds down and in the off season as well. So, uh, you know, you can't really uh, go, go into too much in detail right now. But thanks for that question. Highfish uh, underscore did, um, and uh, yeah, we will certainly have some very in-depth player profiles coming in the off-season on, on young talent. Watch out for them. Yeah, and Bjorken is a, I think he's the son of Asman Bjorken, isn't he? The sporting mm. director of, of Budaglin, who we've had on this podcast as well on the show in the past, which you can still check out on our archives. Uh, follow us um, on Twitter at Nordic Football. You can also get us on iTunes. Spotify or wherever you get your pods from, subscribe and don't forget to share it if you can or give us an, a rating. It always helps us, um, you know, helps us uh, promote ourselves and uh, get a bit more coverage, which is nice. And yeah, as I say, thank you to Ted Cruz. Uh, he had ESPN FC number one, so we'll be coming for your crown next in 2021, maybe there. But um, I think that's it for this show. And yeah, of course, if you want to support us on, on Patreon, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast for the price of a, a Christmas coffee or a Christmas beer. Um, we'd always appreciate your support on that one, but uh, I think that's about it for now. Speaking of Christmas, Steve, you got your stocking? Stocking, Steve? <laughs> oh gosh, Christmas. Um, you know, I'm not, don't even talk about Christmas yet. <laughs> <laughs> too early, too early, for you. too early. Flipping <laughs> oh, it's pretty early, it's December already. Oh, oh. 2020 is nearly over. I know. Well, good job as well. <laughs> really good job. 
indeed and uh and until next time we've still got a few more rounds we've got one more round this weekend obviously relegation will be decided in sweden we will be wrapping up the season and in the next podcast and a few more rounds left in norway so from me uh, jonathan faduba on twitter at jf football f-u-t-b-o-l and from meatman soccer steve wiss there at meatman soccer thanks very much for listening goodbye goodbye